opponent up. You're the one that sets the table for your team. You're the one that gets to deliver the first blow. And our guys are into that. They know that. Welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you on this Tuesday morning. That was the voice of the official new special teams coach for the South Carolina Gamecocks, Joe D. Camillus, um, in his way talking about how special teams are like the Marines, which I feel like that's a pretty good mindset you'd like to have in a special teams coordinator, right? What, what did we say yesterday? You got, you got to have a little edge. <laughs> it's kind of like a strength coach. You got to be that guy that's willing to maybe go to some extremes, I feel like. You got to have a cool nickname, Joe D. He's got that check mark. Marines, that's pretty extreme. There, there are some good YouTube videos, or, or may, they may be on the Rams homepage. You can go back and search for them. But um, th- this is one of those guys. I, I think, from what I've been told, he walks the line between. Um, y- you're going to dislike him a little bit on, on practice days. Like he, he expects a lot from his guys. Like he, he doesn't take any. Um, you know, he doesn't take anything. Basically, you, know, you don't mess around in his room. But also, the guys really like him as well, and and he's got a way about him that that they respect him, and you know I, I think is is a very interesting hire by Beamer. Like clearly went the route of, hey, this guy's seen it all, thirty years plus of NFL experience coaching special teams, and you know that that's one of the, I would say one of the only positions where recruiting doesn't quite matter as much obviously he everybody has to recruit to an extent there's going to be responsibilities that fall underneath his uh list of things he's supposed to do that will involve recruiting but it it won't be the first thing on his list the first thing on his list will be hey man there's a very high standard for special teams at south carolina your job is to keep them or raise them you know it just came to my mind uh now we got to go back and ask pete limbo if he agrees, you know, big history guy. Do you agree with Joe D's uh, classification of special teams being like the Marines? I feel like he would have a good, I don't know, 10 to 15, maybe 20 minutes on that. At, le- at, at least. He would have some kind of D-Day story, Winston Churchill. Or of 1812. <laughs> he would have something. But, no, I, Wes, I was actually going back watching some Joe D material too, and he – Man, the high-energy thing is a real thing. We had some coaches who saw him at the coaches' clinic at South Carolina last, what was that, last March, I think, tell us, hey, good good teacher, really energetic guy. And if you want to kind of – if you're one of those fans who wants to get a sense of what a guy's personality is like, you can find some stu- some Rams material, maybe some YouTube material, um, some stuff when he was with the Broncos. I was watching one of those this morning. He's definitely got some uh, some interesting press conferences, media opportunities. So, again, we got the official confirmation of him being the special teams coach yesterday. Board of Trustees met last night to approve his contract, which is a three-year deal worth $800,000 per year. Not only will he be the special teams coach, much like Pete Limbo, he'll also assume the assistant head coach role as well. And this this part is, is interesting to me because from the perspective of what he can offer to a guy like Shane Beamer as an assistant head coach, where Pete Limbo literally was a head coach in college at Lehigh, at Elon, and at Ball State before coming here to South Carolina, where he could give Beamer insight and advice onto things that he maybe wasn't privy to, given the fact that he'd never been a head coach before. Now that Beamer's been a head coach for three years and seen and dealt with a lot of situations, now you have a guy in 
DeCamillis that's just been around the game of football for a very long time, 30 years in the NFL, that has seen and dealt with so many different situations. But, you know, it's still there for clock management, for scenarios and stuff like that, where maybe Beamer doesn't need the, the same kind of advice, same kind of insight as to what uh, Limbo w- was giving him when he was the assistant head coach because Camillus, DeCamillis can offer a different perspective on things. Yeah, I think it's just about, especially when you're talking about game management, it's kind of maybe having having those reminders in those literal seconds where you're having to make decisions. And I think there's quite a bit of carryover, actually, from what he was doing at Texas, and he was special assistant to the head coach for Sark there. And, you know, I had somebody that covers Texas reach out to me and say that that was not just a title, basically. Like, he, they, they would watch him sort of, um, shadowing Sark on the sideline during games, heavily involved in, in sort of game management decisions. And, you know, I, I think that that probably, even for a guy who's who's coached at a high level for so long, you know, there was probably some new aspects to, to doing that. But I, I think for for South Carolina, it, it is a little bit different. It's a little bit different background. Nobody was going to come in and be Pete Limbo. Like, there there is no... There is no just one for one, you know, carbon copy of Pete Limbo. He he kind of is one of one, and so I I think for for South Carolina and and for Joe D. I mean, you're just gonna come in. You're gonna be yourself. You're gonna bring what you bring. You're gonna bring your new ideas, philosophies, schemes to special teams. And, and then Beamer, who like you said, man, he, he's now got three years of experience. That's uh, I mean, that is something that that's something you can't buy. Like you have to just experience it to get it and so for him I think just having someone who you know has been through some of those battles and and can can be right there beside you it, it is um it's noteworthy it helps but really I, I think Jody is being brought in here to to keep these special teams where they were or elevate them if that's possible and you know associate head coach is also a great title that helps you entice someone to come in and take a job as well. Yeah. You know, Shane Beamer, we know, is going to give – you can hire a really good coach, you know, who knows what he's doing, but you have to make it an emphasis within your program too. And we know under Pete Limbo, I mean, Beamer said it over the weekend, like, man, I told Pete, you know, he gets more meeting time than anybody got with my dad. And Frank Beamer was one of the special teams – you know, he might be the special teams goat. I mean, he was the guy that kind of – Really, I mean, for me, it, it might be somebody who's been around longer. No, actually, it was so-and-so. But Frank Beamer kind of popularized special teams. Like, he made it cool. And Pete Limbo, you know, gets got even more meeting time. And you would expect that's going to, you know, be the same with Joe D, where, you know, hey, you want to make it an integral part of your program, so you want to have somebody who is maximizing that time. So, like you said, Wes, different guy, different personality, not going to be the same guy they're not probably not in scheme probably some stylistic differences there's probably going to get, be some carryover in things uh, but someone that I, I think he does check some boxes in that he's been a special teams guy a long time he's done it at a very high level he's done it well and I think from a personality standpoint he matches what Beamer's philosophy is on special teams and that is even though the personalities are different he's an aggressive guy you go back and look Joe D there are plenty of old articles on the internet from, you know, a bunch of different years, a bunch of different stops in his career talking about how he loves to, you know, try to call fakes. 
you know, where if it's up to him, he wants to be very aggressive with that. There's even a quote from Dan Reeves, you know, his father-in-law and former boss talking about that. So, um, you know, Joe D's going to get in here and say, man, I've got Kai Kroger. I've got former high school wide receiver and baseball player Hunter Rogers as my snapper. We got some things that we can dial up. And so I would anticipate that being one of the things that carries over uh, from regime to regime. Oh, and that's an interesting point that you bring up with, with things that are going to be changing this offseason in regards to special teams. Obviously, Mitch Cheaters moved on to Notre Dame, so you have a competition at place kicker. You do have Kroger and Rogers returning at, at punter and long snapper. Um, Got to figure out who's going to be your kick returner. Do you s- continue to use Jalen Kilgore as your punt returner? So a lot of questions to be answered this offseason for, you know, kind of uh, decamillus to be able to come in here and uh, kind of have a clean slate in a lot of ways with, with all the different aspects of special teams. Yeah, and you know, Kai, I, I think Kai took a lot of heat this past season that to me, a lot of it was just because his play the season before raised the expectations for him so much. And so, and I, I would I would never spin Limbo leaving into being a positive at, at all. That's not what I'm trying to do. But if he is leaving, which he is, like it's a fact of life at this point, Maybe, maybe a new little tweak or you tinker with something here mechanically. Some new eyeballs is, is what I'm saying. Maybe helps him get back a little bit more as far as the consistency that we saw from Kai Kroger, you know, this season before when he was, I would say, arguably the best punter in the country or, or definitely in the, the top five for that. So, you know, I, I think every coach has their own strengths. And there are certainly, there will be things that, that Limbo did better than Joe D and but there there will certainly be things that Joe D comes in and says let's let's change this just a little bit let's uh let's tweak this a little bit I um I can't remember who the Rams kicker was but um they uh I had read basically about them sort of making a, a leap in efficiency from before he got there to when he got there and so you know this someone's gonna have some ideas he's um going to have seen it all I uh, you know I, I think there, there's always going to be change in college football limbo was a guy we had said for for quite some time this is someone South Carolina does not need to lose and but you knew it, it was a possibility to ultimately happen it did so then what do you do you go out and you get the best coach you can find to replace him there, there probably aren't many guys that that would have fit this better and I do think you also have some added advantages some other people will pick up some of the limbo slack as well in that you brought in Markwell Blackwell and then James Coley who is a very experienced guy at the college level and I I think James Coley is someone that's going to have the ability to to have I I would say a say Mm -hmm. he's gonna have a say game planning um on the field off the field all those things as well. So, so maybe you you replace all that Limbo did with uh, uh you know from multiple guys. So uh, again, D. Camillus has not spent much time in the college game outside of last season at Texas. So you know, recruiting is something that he's gonna probably be learning a lot about and uh, obviously be involved with being special teams coordinator. You look at him. You look at Dow Loggins. You look at Sterling Lucas as well. You have a lot of guys with NFL experience on the staff and you guys can speak to this better than anybody. How valuable is that when you're talking to recruits, having been a guy that's coached at that level that all these guys are aspiring to eventually get to? 
Yeah, it's huge. Now, you know, for the most part, I I look at I look at recruits and I look at position coaches and I say they they got to take care of their room. So what does that mean? If you're James Coley, you got to take care of the wide receivers room. If you're Markwell Blackwell, you got to take care of the running backs room. If you are Joe D, you're going to have a area in terms of like a, a part of the country where you're going to be asked to go out and you're going to be asked to build relationships and find out who there South Carolina needs to recruit. And then you're kind of going to turn that over to the position coach. And you're going to be involved, but it's going to be on that position coach. So for him, it's going to be recruiting kickers, punters, and long snappers, which are almost always preferred walk-ons. And it's going to be, okay, which of these wide receivers, running backs, DBs we're recruiting, which of them, maybe there's an evaluation aspect there of I think that guy could be a returner for us. I think that guy could be a returner for us. Um, I don't necessarily, Chris, see guys choosing schools just because, oh, man, I can go be a great special teams player. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. other than your your guys who are your specialists. See what I'm saying? So, so for the most part, his job will be special teams, special teams, special teams. Then there will be a recruiting aspect of, hey, when guys are on campus – be high energy, put your best foot forward, act like you care. Like, you know what I'm saying? It, it's yeah. not necessarily so much. Uh, I think, you know, Sterling has answered the questions with flying colors, but there was yeah. much more of a question with him as a recruiter coming in just because of the demands of that. Your, your position coach, your job, is to fix your room. Take, take care of your position. Yeah, and I, and I think it's something Shane Beamer will point to with guys that Jody host or, you know, receivers and DBs who project as special teams players. They'll say, look, such and such in our program upped his stock because he was such a good special teams player, right? And, and that's something you can point to. So, again, Jody Camille is officially the special teams coach for South Carolina three-year contract. $800,000 per year. Speaking of recruiting, On3 released its final rankings for this 2024 cycle. We'll see where a couple of South Carolina guys ended up at the end of it yesterday. That's coming up. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. 107.5 The Game app and streaming live on the Game TV. Sponsored by Shepherd's Glass. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you on this Tuesday morning. Reminder, Head on over to 1075thegame.com and enter for your chance to win the Balls and Strikes Valentine's Weekend Contest brought to you by Hilton Garden Inn. It's your chance to win tickets for the season opening series for Gamecock Baseball as they take on Miami of Ohio uh, Friday through Sunday, February 16th through 18th out at Founders Park. You'll also get a two-night stay Friday and Saturday night at the Hilton Garden Inn right here on Gervais Street in town. You'll also get breakfast and a pregame meal supplied by the Garden Grill. Again, go online to 1075thegame.com and here for your chance to win the Balls and Strikes Valentine's Weekend Contest brought to you by our friends over at Hilton Garden Inn. I want to dive into this. Yesterday, On3 released its final uh, rankings for individual prospects for the 2024 cycle. No surprise here. A couple five stars for South Carolina and Josiah Thompson and Dylan Stewart staying kind of the status quo there. But one name that did jump up a little bit, Fred Johnson moving from a three-star to a four-star in the latest on three rankings. Yeah, that's the guy we kind of had had wondered, would he have this this level of upward mobility? I, I think we thought he probably did. We just didn't know if he'd get to the four-star status. He'd already 
he already was a four star on twenty four seven sports. So I always think it's interesting kind of tracking the two there. And for the most part, there's kind of some alignment with with how they see guys. And then there's always a few guys in every class that maybe twenty four seven a little bit higher on, maybe on three is a little bit more higher on. One thing I like about Charles Power, we'll talk about one of the guys he's really high on here in a second. He he will walk out on the limb. Like he he's not worried about that. He's not worried about being different than, you know, what other people's rankings are. And so there, there is a little bit of sort of just um, situation there where you'll have some guys higher than others. And so for the longest time, we were kind of wondering, all right, is, is Fred going to get that on three bump? He finally did. He's now a four-star on both on three and 24-7 sports. Also a four-star in the on three industry ranking which kind of takes all of the four and just combines them and mashes them up and puts a percentage on each and so for, for South Carolina you, you actually end up finishing off with two four-star linebackers in this class although interestingly enough the recruiting sites list Wendell Gregory as an edge mm-hmm. Fred J.R. Johnson I, I feel like he's pushing the J.R. Well, if he is. So I, I wasn't 100% sure. I got a couple texts on this. The Gamecocks Online official bio, Fred J.R. Johnson, but then up top here you have J.R. J-A-Y capital R. So, yeah, I feel like he's pushing J.R. That's so kind of cool. So from here on out, J.R. Johnson. Like the, like the Dallas thing, right? Yeah, which is cool. Yes, it's a cool name. Who shot J.R.? Do, um, so <laughs> do, do, you, do you know Debo's actual name? I do not. So oh, when yeah, do, do you remember? Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. So yeah, when yeah, yeah. but when when Debo was recruited, he was Tyshawn Samuel. Yeah. Like he he but then when he got to South Carolina and they it was very similar to this, he wanted to go by like like his name was Debo. It wasn't a nickname. It yeah. was it was put on the roster and then that but that was before like he wasn't even highly recruited. Nobody even knew who he was right at the time, and then. Boom, he ends up being a guy who literally is known throughout the NFL by one name. One name. You Just say Debo. Debo. You say Debo, and I've, I know who you're talking I, I, about. I've literally never thought, like, I guess I would have assumed it was a nickname, but I've never thought to even, like, look up what his actual birth name was. Where did Debo come from? Is there a story behind that? Yeah. <laughs> do, you, no. do you know? It can't, it, it can't, I mean, it came from the movie Friday. Debo, he's the big right. kind of bully guy. Right, I, I remember. And, and in some, in some I, I form or fashion. I, I didn't know if that, that was the inspiration behind yeah. him wanting to be called that or not. Yeah. Or if that was like a childhood nickname it or something. It was some kind of childhood. I can't remember the specifics of it, but it, okay. came, it came from the movie. It's all also it, funny, by the way, another side note on Debo. Like, I'm just around wherever, and you're seeing, like, a press conference with Debo before the game. And, like, I, I covered – were you there, Wes? Were you at his high school announcement? Oh, yeah. So he went to Chapman in the upstate. And, and like you said – not highly recruited. I think the hats he had on the table were South Carolina, UNC, and I think App State. And he he was not a big media guy. I mean, like, it was, you know. He was shy. He was, yeah, that's a good way to put it. He was pretty shy. Well, he's now gotten he's over that there, fear. Like, you know, on big time. We didn't have him on the show. That would be outstanding. Hey. Might he, be too big time now. I, here very soon he could be. You know, holding the Super Bowl rings. That'd yeah. be especially cool if That'd we got neat. him on. That'd be neat. Um, I never gave him that rival shirt he kept asking me for. <laughs> you I, couldn't. 
Yeah, by, by the by the rule, I yeah. couldn't. He get every every can. kind. Of, I saw Debo. Um, I'd see him in the indoor. This is obviously when we were with rivals. He's like, "Hey, man, can you get me one of those rival shirts?" But yeah, man, I'll look. I'll look into that for you. But um, the, I never did. The, so the last thing Debo suspended three games for accepting T-shirt from West Mitchell. It was a night. It was an Under Armour one too. Ooh, it's not nice. just not just a T-shirt. Not just T-shirt. Um. Anyway, back to Fred Johnson. Uh, Sorry about that, y'all. Yeah. So so Fred Johnson and, and he's such an interesting story for those that don't remember. Like he was very under the radar when South Carolina kind of latched onto him. He was somebody that they saw at one of their camps a while back and kind of were, were one of the first ones to get in on him. And again, it's continued continued to climb and climb and climb in people's eyes but again South Carolina benefited from being one of the first ones to really lock in on him and he stayed committed to them pretty much through the whole process we had great numbers of that camp and he was someone who who really was a wide receiver early in his high school career and you know I, I think if you put him as a wide receiver he you know he has he has solid athleticism but then you transfer that athleticism over and compare him to linebackers you're like, man, this guy can run. Like he he's a sideline to sideline guy, can carry tight ends down the seam as well, as far as having just a little bit of that long speed to to keep up with guys in coverage. And, you know, I, I think for South Carolina, getting in on him early was the key because you know, and JR, I'm gonna have to get used to saying that. JR not really a big talker either, a little bit under the radar, a little bit kind of uh, low key. And so I think the early relationship, getting him in on that official – remember, they got him in on the official – they offered, got him in on official visit, got him committed. I I think that was key for South Carolina because down the stretch, I mean, you had Virginia Tech doing everything they could to try to flip him. If, if things are equal at that point as opposed to him being on the South Carolina commit list already and kind of doing all the things you need to do to enroll at South Carolina – who knows, man? Maybe it plays out a little bit differently. So get, getting getting him to camp, making that early move, uh, I think was a key here. Yeah, it was. And, you know, a, a good find, an example of Shane Beamer and some of his other staff, their ties up in Virginia paid off. I mean, when South Carolina offered Fred Johnson, I think it was like his 16th D1 offer, but there weren't a lot of big ones, right? It was like Maryland was probably the biggest other program. But then you look at him. I mean, Wes and I saw him in camp. We're going, man, who is this guy? He's six three and a half, two twenty five. Runs a four five. You know, runs a four two and a four two three shuttle, five ten five shuttle. I mean, he he has the measurables. Played for a really good high school team against good competition. Played receiver, and and is still not a fi- kind of like Wendell Gregory in a different way. Not a finished product. When you look at the athletic traits, he checks a lot of the boxes in a high-level linebacker prospect. Absolutely. So uh, good for him. You know, continue to climb on the uh, climb on the star ratings there. Final on three ranking for him ends up being four-star again. Uh, Josiah Thompson, Dylan Stewart being five stars, as uh, everybody did expect. It's a big night for Gamecock men's basketball coming up tonight as they head on the road to Knoxville to take on the Tennessee Volunteers. We will preview that matchup a little bit and see what's ahead for South Carolina next on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game, the 107.5 The Game app and streaming live on the Game TV, sponsored by Shepherd's Glass. Well, obviously I'd have been pretty happy. I mean, I knew we had a much older team, more experienced, and, and we were also more skilled and talented. But, uh, you know, you could have the preseason number one team in the country and you're going to be pretty happy if you get off to a 17-3 and three start. So I, I would have been elated, that's for sure. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you here on the game. That was Coach Paris 
Yesterday on the College Hoops Day podcast with John Rothstein, when asked, you know, what his thought of starting off the season 17-3 would have been if somebody would have told him that before the year started, and obviously we would have been very happy and excited, but uh, apparently 17-3 and beating a top-10 Kentucky team, not enough to get you in the top 25, at least not yet, as South Carolina just on the outside looking in yesterday in the latest AP poll in the others receiving votes category, so technically 26th, but Here's the thing. You go on, your, on the road and handle business in Knoxville tonight, I guarantee you, you'll get be in the top 25 next week. Yeah, they won't have a choice. I I, <laughs> I, I get the frustration. I, I do. At the same time, AP poll doesn't mean anything. Like, it, it literally, it, it's, it's it, a, go ahead. No, go ahead. It's a, it's, a, it's a nice reward. It's a nice reward. It's a nice acknowledgement. For what you've done as a team, and I and I get that. At the same time, these people that are doing the voting, they aren't watching the games. Sure, bunch how, of sports writers. They don't know anything. How how many how many games out of the but and, and how many how many Division One basketball teams are there? Well, there's like 350. You the, can't there, watch it. It's, it's impossible. So first of all, <laughs> I I think we we as uh, the football-loving people that we are here, we think of the top 25 as being the top 25 out of the little over 100 football teams we play, and we that's how we structure it in our head. You're pulling from a much bigger list of, of teams, and so it, it is a little bit different. Then, guess what? That there is, People can say... Well, it's because South Carolina is not a blue blood, and that that actually is true, in my opinion. It is because South Carolina is not a blue blood, but it's not for the reason that some people think when they're saying that. It's not that it's not that they are purposely being like, "Oh yeah, South Carolina is not a blue blood." I'm not ranking them top twenty five. It's just that they're not paying enough attention to rank them in the top twenty five. They're going about their well, daily business. And Coach Paris, when he was asked last week after beating Kentucky leading into the Missouri game, you know, if he thought the team deserved to be ranked in the top 25, a lot of the points he was making was the respect aspect of it because, again, you know, that is kind of a bar that a lot of people use to determine how good or bad teams are based on if they're ranked or not. And, again, you can't watch all 300 teams, so a lot of people do lean on that as kind of their basis for for what their narrative around a team is. And for South Carolina, who was projected to finish at the bottom of the barrel in the SEC, that there's a still – at least in his mind, a negative aspect around this team. But I will say, coming away from that Kentucky win, again, he was on the John Rothstein podcast yesterday. He's being talked about, the program's being talked about from a national standpoint. So even though they didn't get in the top 25, they are finally garnering some of that national attention that they weren't otherwise getting up to this point. Dude, I'd, I'd print that thing out if there's still printers around. I'd print that thing out and paste it in the locker room. Watch bullets. Today. There's your chip on your shoulder. You can continue to have one. Yeah, they they can keep their top twenty five. If I if I'm Lamont Paris, if I'm these guys, they I don't want to be top twenty five. Like I don't I don't need that. Sure, you know. So I I, I get it. It'd be and they they haven't been what ranked in the top twenty five since uh, the the twenty since the was seventeen season. So I I get it. At the same time, use it. You've used motivation that nobody picked you all season long. Keep keep on using it, in my opinion. The Kirby Smart. Yeah, except it's real this time. I picked us you to win six games. You don't have to that, make it up. What? Yeah, you don't have to make it up here. Unless they use the Andy Katz 
top 36. That's on the NCAA's website. Gamecocks did sneak in there, number 24. So, there you go. So, hey, I mean, I, I get it. And I think people are irritated, too, by I, – I agree with you, Wes. I think they kind of have this – if it was – I mean, what's a random blue blood school? Kansas. Kansas, right? Yeah, that's the one that came to my mind. Like, if Kansas, <laughs> for some reason, played South Carolina's exact schedule sure. and had the same record, Kansas is in the top 25. They also 100%. would have started the season at, like, in the top five. You know, So maybe they dropped down a little bit. South Carolina, the expectations were – pretty low like there was some heightened expectations here in columbia nationally south carolina not on anybody's radar watch out for them no nobody was saying that and so i think it depends on where you start too like in the minds of these people if if they had read some things i mean again this ap is sports writers if if south carolina was kind of on the periphery coming in people would say "Yeah, yeah yeah that kind of matches that's good to them it might be just like you said, it might be more of a fad, or they're just not really paying that much of a t- much attention because even, even with football, like you said, Wes, a hundred something. We talk about football every day. That's that's what we do mainly. I don't get to watch all the football games. Like I can't. There's too many of them, and that's football. That's not sure. even basketball, where there's a lot more games, a lot more teams. And, and on that note, when you look at the AP poll that did come out yesterday, Alabama's twenty fourth. That. 14 and 6 overall. And again, when you look at the metric that South Carolina went to Tuscaloosa a couple weeks ago and just got obliterated by 30 some odd points, I think the optics in a lot of people's minds, for people that are voting on this, is like, well, can we put South Carolina one spot behind Alabama? I don't think that they could. Now, if you, if you go on the road and beat a top five team tonight in, in Tennessee, then you have a different oh. conversation. But I think the optics of like, hey, this team slaughtered this other one by 30 some odd points, maybe you don't rank them that close together. Yeah, I think, I think it's a good point, man. I, I think, I do think. It'd be a nice, like I said, it'd be a nice honor for sure. these guys. Does it really matter? No. And do, do I think they're a top 25 team? Yeah, probably. But I'm biased, too, because this, I've, I've watched every game they've played. So I haven't watched hardly any of the other teams, to be quite honest. I got enough going on here. You so, have watched Dayton? I've, I've, not, I've not, not watched not, one <laughs> dribble. Not a big Utah State guy? I've not watched one dribble of any of those teams, to be honest. I'm not even a college basketball fan. I I follow South Carolina. And so, yeah, I get it. I get why it's a thing. But, you, hey, guess what? You see right now, South Carolina fans, they care. I mean, I, it's good. They, they're out there. <laughs> I, I won't share the details, but you got Gamecock fans out there emailing AP, bol- AP poll voters asking them why they didn't vote for South Carolina. So, I mean, they're they're committed. So I I gotta I gotta respect that. By the way, have y'all looked at the ESPN basketball version of the FPI, their percentage thing for the game tonight? It, 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 it's not it's not favoring South Carolina very much. I'm gonna take a wild guess. Did you just see it? I no. glanced at it as you I'm were. But, take, but, but I, have you looked I at could, it? I, no. I could have assumed Ooh. that it wasn't Guys, gonna be pretty. What what do you, what do you think it is? In terms uh, well, of their they, chances of yeah, winning, yeah, the percentage is is just like I don't know what I don't know what all goes into the basketball one, but it's that little wheel, yeah, yeah, yeah. that they uh, use the FPI for on football, and it has the percentage of it, of each team winning. Like fifteen, worse, yeah, worse. I, I'm, I'm gonna say Tennessee has a ninety three point seven percent chance to win. For wow, ninety two, ah, almost went ninety two eight, yeah. jeez. 
What's the spread is right around 14, 14 points. 14 and a half. My goodness. Yep. Wow. Opened at, uh, depending on this according to ESPN bet, opened at 13 and a half right now. Sits at 14 and a half. Tough game. That's a good team. Well, on the road. This, this is on the road, too, a man. Ten, a Tennessee team that's not lost at home. They're routinely beating opponents in Knoxville by about 22 points. Like, this they're, is, they're top five team for a reason. They're top five it, in Kim Palm, net rankings, all that kind of stuff. I mean, dude, they they smoked Alabama. No, it was, it was in Knoxville. Went to Vandy, won by 13, beat Florida by 20. Went to Georgia, won by six. And they did lose at Mississippi State. But, I mean, play, playing on the road versus playing at home, right. huge difference in college basketball. I South Carolina, we, we, don't, we, don't read, we don't need to read too much into this game, even if South Carolina goes in there and gets beat by 18 points. That does, you, right. you, just, you just flush it and move on. Yeah. You know, it's not... It's not an issue, in my opinion. And that that's why it was so important to go take care of business at Arkansas when they were struggling to get the obviously huge win over Kentucky and then to, to go, you know, come back home and take care of business against a Missouri team that, that was reeling. Like that you you've built a buffer for yourself at five and two in conference play, seventeen and three overall, where you don't have to have the pressure going into these games. If you get beat by Tennessee, so what? Move on. We'll preview this game a little bit more as we wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs next on the game. Back in, it is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyra Ed West Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you here on the game. Don't forget, going to have another keyword giveaway coming up a little bit later on for the Vegas Big Game Giveaway. Keep it locked right here for your next chance to win the weekend out at the Fontaine Blue Las Vegas for the big game. Again, another keyword coming up a little bit later on today here on the game. Again, tonight, 6 o'clock, right here on the game pregame coverage for men's basketball as they get set to take on Tennessee. Tip off at 6.30 out there in Knoxville. Coach Paris yesterday on the College Hoops Today podcast previewed uh, tonight's matchup against the Volunteers. Yeah, good team, uh, experienced guys, not only experienced in this game of basketball, Vescovy's been there for five years, which that's a rarity, right? Um, so they're experienced in the game, but they're experienced in their system and what they want to do and how they like to play. They're physical. Um, you know, if you got a guy like Dalton Connect, who's uh, a highlight reel waiting to happen um, in all the right ways, not just dunks, but with with just his ability to play basketball. So you got a team that's traditionally been a defensive powerhouse, and now they've added some things offensively to make them more explosive on that side of the ball. So obviously they're a good team. Uh, you go to Rocky Talk, uh, uh, that's a tough place to play. A lot of places and venues in this league are really hard to play, but that's one where they really go crazy, especially when their team's in the top five. So we got to go in there and channel out all the noise and just do our thing and um, you know, that's kind of been our thing. We say we are who we are. We do what we do. So we're going to go there and just try to be us and do well and do well at the things that we do. Going on the road to Knoxville is difficult. Again, Tennessee is a team that's not lost at home this season. They have a great transfer in Dalton Connett that's been their leading scorer this season. They're also a team that does 
everything really well. They are a high, they are an up tempo, high scoring offense, one of the best in the SEC. But they're also very much what we've seen in the past couple of years, especially last year in the two games South Carolina played against them. They're very much a punch you in the mouth, grinded out kind of defense. So we've seen South Carolina be able to beat a grinded out team like Mississippi State and be able to beat a high flying, high scoring team like Kentucky a week ago. But they've yet to see a team that's as efficient on both ends of it as Tennessee is going to be tonight. And obviously a much different South Carolina team this year, but if you just want to look at last year, what Tennessee did to South Carolina, those were two of probably the most demoralizing losses of the entire season, both delivered by Tennessee. And, you know, I, I think for South Carolina, this is this this is a statement game, but again, I don't think, not to go into it with like a, not that they should go into it with a loser mentality. They won't, but... I, I think this is a nice measuring stick game for us to kind of figure out just how far has South Carolina come, what can they do on the road, obviously, against the top-five team. And the thing that stands out to me, guys, every time Lamont Paris talks, I mean, you could you could hear it when he was talking right there. Just a quiet confidence. And, you know, I, I think his his steady hand has been on this team every step of the way. It is a veteran group, as we talked about, but – the way they have sort of uh, come together, considering how many of the guys were were new to this team and, and how they've just um, become a unit where they kind of pull for each other and, um, you know, just kind of approach the game the way you want it to be as far as sharing the basketball, not needing the spotlight. And it's just been really impressive to watch. And t- tonight, it's going to be very tough to win this game. I... I Frankly, I'd be kind of surprised if they won this yeah. game. But uh, I think we'll every game you learn something new, we'll continue to learn quite a bit uh, about South Carolina. If th- if this thing if this thing goes into that fi- the final 4 minutes and you're sitting there saying South Carolina has a shot in a weird way that that's that's kind of a win for me. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to do the moral victory thing, but it I I do like what you said a couple points the measuring stick, you know. Th- this is a Tennessee team that again undefeated at home and I think the the smallest margin of victory they've had at home was eight points to Illinois, who I think is a ranked team. Mm-hmm. You know, last two SEC games at home, they won by twenty and nineteen points, and not against nobody. You know, Alabama and Florida in those two games are good good clubs. So, um, you know, Tennessee's resume is tremendous. They they lost one road game to Mississippi State. Other than that, uh, they've lost three games, two on the road. You know, a couple on the road one on the road in North Carolina, to top eight teams if you're going off the AP top 25. So really, really good team. And the other thing you said, Wes, that I, I totally agree with, you know, you just you don't have pressure in this game. You're not up against it where you feel like, oh, man, if we don't go to Knoxville and pull out a huge upset, we're in trouble. You, you don't feel like that. So you can just go play. You can be steady. I think this team has kind of taken on Lamont Paris's personality in that they don't get too up or down. They, they certainly celebrate when they win, right? They're demonstrative. They get excited. But they don't get too high on themselves. They certainly don't get too low on themselves. They're just they're just steady. And and it's, I think part of that is you brought in a lot of guys who played a lot of basketball in their careers with this transfer class. Yeah, kind of playing with house 